0: all right, you ready, Bobby, you to figure this guy out? All right, here we go. Even though this, man, uh, this man's mom, Mother's Day, right, uh, she tried her best to teach this guy about spiritual truths. this man still followed in the footsteps of his father, the son of a sea captain. And so he too eventually spent the next 20 years of his life uh, as a sailor engaged in a life of drinking, debauchery, and even slave trading, if you can believe that. And with the slave trading, he would uh, buy the finest of specimens, if you will, and and then pack them in the ship side by side, row after row, until he had as many as 600 bodies stacked into a ship. And then he would chain them to the decks just to prevent them from committing suicide. In fact, so little did this guy think of his fellow human beings that even when there was an outbreak of smallpox or dysentery, he just simply chucked them overboard. And then the ones that did survive but still were diseased, uh, he simply traded them in for sugar or molasses to make more rum. In fact, this whole man's early life was spent indulging himself in the most wicked and basis of things he could find. But all that was to change, just like that, one fateful night. True story. You see, one night there arose such a terrible storm that the ship he was on threatened to sink. And so suddenly this man's wicked life passed before his very eyes. And so with a deep and honest conviction, he cried out to God, not to save the ship, uh uh-uh, but to save his soul. And boy, did God ever Listen to this. For the next several years, this man studied the scriptures day in and day out. In fact, he even went on to learn Latin and Hebrew and Greek. Why? Because this guy was now preparing for the ministry. And so the next thing you know, he was appointed as a pastor of a church where he faithfully proclaimed the word of God and the good news of salvation through Jesus for the next 43 years. In fact, this man was so grateful for God, saving his soul, that he not only became an avid writer, but he became an avid songwriter. In fact, many of his hymns are still being sung today around the world. In fact, maybe you've heard of them. One of his most famous ones goes like this, um, Amazing Grace, how sweet to sound. After what I did, it saved a wretch like me. Isn't that awesome? Of course, the punchline, the man's name is John Newton. All right, Bobby, you get a piece of gum. You already got the right answer. All right, anyway, that's right. But uh, anyway, I, I don't know about you guys. You take a look. I mean, this is real. We're going to meet Lord willing John Newton in heaven one day as a Christian, right? And I'd say, man, after all he did, his past, and that's the tip of the iceberg. And then him getting saved after he got saved. I'd say that John Newton had a pretty cool life as a Christian. How much you? Okay? Now, that. I believe, is a life worth living for. Now, here's what we're seeing in our study. We got a problem today, okay? The the dilemma is this. Even though that, you know, we're just as much Christians as John Newton is, right? God's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. Most of us Christians here today, we look at the Bible, we read it in one hand, we take a look at our life in the other, and we say something like this, like, what's wrong here? It's not jiving, it's not computing, it's not fitting together, Why is it that these people like John Newton, when they get saved, they get to have this amazing, fruitful life with Jesus Christ, and here I am, I'm fumbling around the dark. I don't have a life worth living for. I got a life worth giving up, okay? But folks, we've been seeing the good news. Read the Bible. It doesn't have to be that way. Don't accept that. That is not how it has to be. That kind of life worth living for, like John Newton had, really is, folks, available to every single Christian. In fact, once again, let's do it. Turn to somebody and say, and that means you. Okay, and that's why we're going to continue our study called A Life Worth Living For. And what we're doing, the premise is we're looking at different keys that I believe are pivotal if we're going to have that life worth living for like John Newton had. Okay, and the last five times we saw that first key, I believe, is when you and I get back to discovering how to experience God's joy. Why? Because how in the world is God going to use you? Okay, he uses us in spite of us. Praise God. Anybody excited about that? Okay, but we're out there sharing the gospel, but sometimes we mess it up with our countenance, right? We know we need to share the gospel, but we're out there and say, hey, come to Jesus. It's great. It's so wonderful. I'm so glad I'm a Christian. And then on the other breath, we're walking around going, <laughs> right? We don't have any joy. We act like being a Christian is a torture, right? That's not a good advertisement, in case you're wondering. Okay, so let's get back to experiencing His joy that he's already given to us. Okay, but we get seduced by the world to seek it in other things. We saw that the first three times, but the last couple times we saw two more ways that we get tricked in not having this permanent joy in Jesus is when we don't have a permanent witness, or service to Jesus Christ. And there we saw that we maintain God's joy. Don't just don't fall for the traps from the world, but you can maintain his joy scripturally if you get back to doing, hello, the things you used to do when you first got saved and you had so much joy you couldn't contain it, right? This is why we Christians do what we do, right? Now, as we saw there, prayer, Bible study, and last time witnessing, yes, even witnessing, and serving is some of the great Sources of the joy of the Lord. It's exciting. It, it keeps that joy going in our walk with Jesus Christ. We do it with our actions, okay? But I want to finish up with the second practical way that we maintain God's joy, okay? And that's with our appreciation, okay? Every day we maintain it with these actions in prayer and Bible study and, and witnessing and serving Jesus Christ. But it's also the moment-by-moment, moment, dare I say, the moment-by-moment moment appreciation of what he's done for us. You see, I firmly believe, and I've experienced this myself. As a Christian, that many times we don't Christian experience on a regular basis the joy of the Lord that He's already given to us is because we simply forget to do what the song says to do. Count your blessings one by one. Why? Because that's when you see what the Lord has done. Right? Well, why is that important? Because when you take the time to appreciate what God's done for us, (laughs) it's exciting, it's joyful. Okay? And the first thing we need to appreciate every single day, not just when you first get saved. Every single day, I hope you're already doing this, folks, is thank you, God, for saving my soul. Every day when you get out of bed, I hope the first thing out of your mouth is something like this. I love you, Jesus. And then maybe something like, thank you for saving my soul. Folks, the scripture says if you do that every day. Oh, and by the way, did you know you could do it more than once? You keep having this attitude of appreciation, you're going to have, you can't even express this kind of joy you're going to have. I didn't say it, God did. This is what we see in First Peter. Open your Bibles. First Peter chapter one, okay, verses three through nine. We're gonna take a look at this joy. That's just, just mind-blowing joy, literally, okay? If you find the uh, revelation, what do you do? Hanging left. You find the tables of weights and measures. Keep hanging left as well, all right? But uh, 1 Peter, uh, we're gonna take a look there. And uh, verses three through nine, let's take a look at how awesome uh, this joy is if we would just simply take the time to just stop for a second and just say, "Oh man, what has Christ done for me?" Okay, it's amazing. Okay, let's take a look. There, stalled enough time. First Peter chapter one verse three says this. Peter speaking, he says, "Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ." Notice the exclamation point. I'm kind of thinking he's excited. He's joyful. Woo-hoo! Praise be to God. Why? Why is he so excited? Because in His great what? Mercy. Mercy. He has given us new birth into a living hope uh, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Listen, into an inheritance that what? Can never perish, never spoil or fade. It's kept in heaven for you. We're not just saved. It's absolutely secure. Who's going to crawl up into heaven and take it away from God? Nobody. This is a praise be to God. It's secure. Nobody can take my inheritance through Jesus Christ on the cross away. What he's saying? It's awesome, Okay. And he says this, who through faith you're shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Now in this, hey, thank you, God, for your being merciful to me, for saving me like Pastor Billy and John Newton. Uh, uh, thank you that it's not just a salvation, it's a salvation that's secure, it's guaranteed. I'm going to, woo-wee, in this you what? Oh, man, not another sermon. What do you mean to tell me I can't watch the news? I've got to take the time to think about this. Every day when you get up. And this, what's he say? You, woo, you don't just rejoice, you greatly rejoice. Now, here's reality. Though now for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. Jesus never promised us a perfect life this side of heaven. Heaven comes later. So you are going to have trials, but it doesn't mean you can't have joy in the midst of them. Okay? These trials, but listen, even that you're going to benefit. These trials have come so that your faith, which is greater worth than gold... Uh, which perishes even though refined by the fire may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Now listen to this. Though you have not seen him, Jesus, you what? How many guys have ever seen Jesus? Please don't raise your hand because you haven't, okay? <laughs> I'm just, <laughs> okay, none of us have, right? So that's why it's by faith. Not only you cannot earn your way to heaven, but we weren't there. We didn't see Jesus on the cross. We take God's word for it, right? He said it, there, there it is. And then we experience the benefits of that, all right? But we don't see him, but you love him. Why? Because look at what he's done for us. Even though you don't see him, you love him, right? He says, and even though you do not see him now, you believe in him. And you're what? Because of this, you are filled with not just joy, but inexpressible and glorious joy. Why? Because you are. Pay attention to that. And we'll get that at the end of the message, Lord willing. You are receiving the goal of your faith, the what? Salvation of your souls, okay? Okay? So according to our text, the Bible, Peter's very clear, folks. One of the surefire ways, if you want to experience the joy of the Lord on a regular basis, all you, it didn't cost nothing. You didn't have to go to a conference for it. You didn't have to buy a book. You didn't have to listen to a tape. Nothing. It's right here. Just every day, remind yourself, thank you, God, for having mercy on me. Thank you for saving my soul. Thank you that I'm guaranteed to get to heaven because the blood of Christ forgives me. And if it starts to go down, unfortunately, by the time you get to lunch, guess what you can do? Pastor Billy, is it okay if I think about my salvation? again? You don't need to call me (laughs) many times a day, right? And keep it up all day long. You're going to have so much joy, you don't even know how to deal with it, okay? But here's the problem. It's right here. It says in the text, you don't only maintain the joy by your actions, but just simply appreciate Thank you, God, for saving my soul. What's the problem? We don't do that. And then we play another little game I've noticed in the church. We categorize sin. And we act like that our sin wasn't as bad as Pastor Billy's sin, (laughs) right? And so we'll say, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm saved all right, but I'm not as bad as... Pastor Billy or John Newton or Jeffrey Dahmer or something, and then that becomes the ultimate excuse as to why you can't be joyful, and as to why you justify your position of walking around as a Christian. <laughs> I'm talking about it. <laughs> well, see, if I had cre- uh, you know, committed greater sins, like, you know, Bobby, sorry, you got the gum, you know, I- I'd have so much joy, but I wasn't as bad as he was. So that becomes your justification as to what? What Bible are you reading? But first of all, let's let's back up the train there, if you guys were paying attention. Whoa, whoa, you didn't just say Pastor Billy, you, you didn't just say John Newton, you said Jeffrey Dahmer. You mean to tell me Jeffrey Dahmer got saved? Well, listen to his words. Let's take a look at how great the mercy of God is. Let's take a look.
1: Your dad has wondered about all kinds of things, from the medication that your mom was on during her pregnancy to the fact that you were exposed to violent arguments in the home from an early age and continuing to the possibility that he might have passed on some genetic propensity for
2: obsession or violent behavior does any of that ring true to you? I can see why he'd wonder about those things but uh, as far as I'm concerned they're all excuses because I didn't feel accountable to anybody I didn't feel that I had to to uh, face what I had done ever and uh, so you, you have there comes a point where a person has to has to be accountable for what he's done can't go, can't go around making excuses uh, blaming other people or other things so I, I alone am the one who is responsible for what's happened let me ask when did you first feel that, that everyone is accountable for their actions well, thanks to you for, for sending uh, that uh, creation science uh, material because I always, I always believe the, uh, the lie that uh, evolution is truth, the theory of evolution is truth, that we all just came from uh, the slime and uh, when, we, when we died, you know, that was it. There was nothing. So it, the whole theory cheapens life and uh, started reading books about how, that show how evolution is, is just a complete lie. There's, there's, no, there's no basis in science to, uh, to uphold it. And I've come to, since come to believe that uh, that the Lord Jesus Christ is the true creator of uh, the heavens and the earth. It just didn't just happen. And uh, I have accepted Him as my Lord and Savior And I believe that I, as as well as everyone else, will be accountable to him.
0: And if you don't clap, you don't get excited about that, stop cheapening the cross of Christ. You have no idea the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. He can forgive anybody. Even us. That's the game we play. Shortly after this interview, by the way, he was murdered in jail. But if you go by his profession of faith, it sounds pretty solid to me. And so here's my whole point in bringing that up. I bring up the extreme to bring home the point. Uh, how many guys would say going down that horrible, dark, rotten, sinful road that we know that Jeffrey Dahmer went down and he was just a little bit joyful that there was hope for him, that Jesus Christ could forgive him of even all that? And that he could receive the mercy and he could be forgiven, of course. Now here comes the punchline. Then how come all of us as Christians here today aren't filled with the same kind of joy? Is this the game that we're playing? Is it because we don't appreciate the fact that God saved a wretch like us too? Do we think that our sins are not just as grotesque to God as what Jeffrey Dahmer did? Is that the game that we're playing? Because if it is, you better read the Bible. God doesn't categorize sin like we do, folks. Are you kidding me? He's very blunt. All sin is sin, and all sin carries the same penalty. It's called the death penalty. Okay, I didn't say that. He did. Romans chapter 6, verse 23, for the wages of sin, I don't care what your sin is. One sin, what's the penalty? 50 sins, 5 million sins. What's the penalty of sin? You deserve to die and go straight to hell. But praise God for his mercy. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord for those only who didn't sin as bad as Jeffrey Dahmer. I'm sorry, wrong translation. All of it. Romans 3, verse 9 through 10 and 23. What shall we conclude then? Are we better than Jeffrey Dahmer? Hey, let's throw in some other bad guys. How about Hitler? Hey, everybody loves to throw him in. I'm not as bad as Hitler. No. Not at all. None of us. We've all already made the charge of Jews and Gentiles. That's the whole planet, by the way. Alike are all under sin, he says there. And as it is written, no one is righteous, not even one. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The scripture is clear, folks. All of us, myself included, have fallen short of the glory of God, which means all sin is bad. God doesn't categorize it like you and I. That means, listen, here's, I'm going to expose some games that we play in the church. The sin of viewing pornography in God's eyes is just as bad as if you did commit the sin of physical adultery. The sin of greed is just as bad as if you did rob a bank. The sin of murdering somebody with your mouth and from your heart is just as bad, the scripture says, as if you did murder somebody because God looks at the heart. I didn't say it, he did. He doesn't play this game. Sin is sin. It all carries the same penalty. It's called the death penalty. And this is why Jesus doesn't categorize us when he saves us. He didn't say, I died for some really, really rotten people like Pastor Billy and John Newton. Hey, let's throw in Bobby again. Give it up for him. Right? And Jeffrey Dahmer. And then, you know, I kind of, you know, kicked in a little bit of, you know, less, less, you know, for those people who weren't as bad. It didn't say that. Read your Bible. The Bible says Jesus died for his enemies. I didn't say that. Here's what Paul says. Clearly, Romans chapter 5, verse 6, you see, at just the right time, while we were still powerless, there's nothing we could do. We've all sinned. We deserve to die and go straight to hell. Oh, the love of God. Christ died for who? His best buddies, the people who weren't as bad as. Oh, I'm sorry. I keep going there. Uh, Romans 5, 8, the ungodly. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still what? Sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5, 10, for if when we were God's what? enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Amen? Amen. And this is the awesome news of the Bible, folks. Jesus Christ takes us, no matter what we've done, where we are, and he will save us and forgive us and create a new creature in us. Isn't that awesome? This is his amazing grace. Jesus didn't die on the cross for people who were so incredibly wonderful. We just read it. He says, no, I died for the whole planet, everybody who was incredibly horrible with sin. That's what the scripture says. But that's not all. It goes even further. Little do people realize that these self-proclaimed statements, oh, I'm not as bad as... See, that's why they can be so happy and joyful, because, you know, they did so much sin, but me, hey. Did you know that's a sin? Did you know the Bible calls that the sin? Listen, the Pharisees were really good at it. It's called the sin of self-righteousness. And if you read the word of God, that is one sin that when you read in Matthew, when Jesus is ripping into the Pharisees, it all has exclamation points. He wasn't up there saying, oh, ye brood of vipers, please hearken unto thee what I have to say. You brood of vipers! You try to win a convert, you go take him over here, and you make him the, twice the son of hell as you are. Exclamation point. That's our Lord. Because that kind of behavior is a stumbling block from people to get to heaven. And he doesn't want people to go to hell. So he stood up for the truth, because he is the truth. Right? But this sin of self-righteousness, when you look at it in, from God's eyes, from his point of view, see, we, we, we don't think it's that big of a deal. But it, whoa. You read the scripture, man, God's very graphic about those who think they're going to get to heaven by their own works. Okay, and this self-righteous attitude. This is just one passage from Prophet Isaiah, chapter 64, verse 6, it says this all of us become what? Who is unclean? Like Paul says, there's no one righteous, no one not one. We've all sinned, we've all of in the glory of God. Nobody's getting to heaven on their own. We need somebody to save us. There is no one righteous, and there's no one who is uh, unclean. All our righteous, listen, acts are like, what's the words there? filthy rags now most people don't get how graphic god is being uh, with this imagery because they don't take the time Uh, some of the translations try to soften it up the the phrase there filthy rags all of our self-righteousness all these hey i'm not as bad as you know all that stuff you know hey i don't need jesus i think i can get to heaven on my own all that self-righteousness the filthy rag in hebrew literally is a menstrual rag i'll break it down maybe for me younger younger folks vernacular He's saying it's like a tampon. Right? This is what the Word of God is saying. I have to tell you this because it is very graphic what God is saying. And so that means you put all this together, all of our so called self righteousness, including statements of not being bad so much, is just as grotesque to God as if we were to actually appear before His holy, holy, holy throne. With an arrogant attitude and literally say, hey, yeah, that guy over there, he needed the cross of Jesus, you know. <laughs> he needed all of it. In fact, I don't even know why he's here. That wouldn't save him. But you know what I mean? I'm not that bad. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I kind of blew it here or there. You know, I kicked the dog once, you know. I'm just, you know, an American trying to, you know, be a good citizen. I'm not that bad of a person. I go to church services. I believe in the Ten Commandments. You can't name them. I believe in the Ten Commandments. You hear the same thing I do, right? So you get up there before the throne of God, and you make that self-righteous statement. Listen what Isaiah is saying. Then you say, I don't need the blood of Jesus. And you pull out a bloody tampon and say, that should suffice. My own blood. Isn't that wild? I didn't say this, guys. This is what the Word of God's saying. With all due respect, I don't know his whole life, but I don't think even Jeffrey Dahmer did that one. But that's how God looks at this self. No wonder Jesus spoke the way he did to the Pharisees. How dare you? Cheapen the cross of Christ. Now, here's the point. Remember, it's about joy. We're getting there. <laughs> when you realize that you and I, myself included, guys, are not just guilty of sin, we've all sinned. But even we play that game, don't we? We look at people in our world today, even here in Las Vegas, and we have that mentality, I'm not as bad as that guy or this guy or that. When we realize that we're not just guilty of sin, but even the sin of self righteousness, as graphic as that is, but God still, out of His mercy, made a way that all of us, including being guilty of that sin, can be saved. What's that kind of do to you? Your countenance a little bit there? Yeah. It gives you great joy, okay? And it's still, it gets even better. Listen to what God does. So much so does he save us. He didn't just wait to accept us when we get to heaven. Listen to how he accepts us right now. This is awesome. Paul talks about this in Ephesians chapter one. It's called a positional truth. Right now, this is how God sees us. Not just when we get into heaven, right now. He says this, pray, he, well, hey, notice the theme here. Praise be to God of our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Why? Because he chose us in him, Jesus, before the creation of the world to be what? Holy and blameless in his sight. Turn to somebody and say, you are holy. You are blameless. Now, I realize as married couples, that's really hard to get out. (laughs) See, that's the, fun, that's the awesomeness of this text. That's not how we see ourselves, is it? But God sees us through the rose colored glasses of Jesus Christ. He sees us through the blood of Jesus Christ. It's called justification, as if I've never sinned. Right? The word there uh, where it, it's, it's a saint, a holy one, a ha- saint is a, a hagias in the Greek, and it means holy one. All right? So the person said to next to you, go ahead and look at him again. And try to remember their name. And then now say this You are Saint. Hog-yous. No, Hagias is Bobby. Okay. <laughs> Isn't it awesome? God considers us a saint. A Hagias. Don't, don't do Hagias with ladies, they might take it wrong. You don't warn with barn animals, and I've learned that one. No matter how much of a good illustration it is. No. <laughs> We're a saint. We're holy. We're blameless. It's a sin of justification. So listen, God not only saves us, okay, even after all of our sins, even the sin of self righteousness, which is just as grotesque as I chucked a tampon before his throne. And he doesn't just save us, he saves us so completely that not in heaven, but right now. In fact, from the first day you got saved, it's still true. You're my holy one. You are spotless. You are blameless before me. That's why we can have such intimacy with him now because of what Jesus done. One guy put it this way. I thought it was pretty cool. He says, listen to what the scriptures say, Christian. Okay. He who never sinned, Jesus, obviously, he who knew no sin on the cross would what? He would not only be punished for sin. More than that, the scripture says he would become sin for our sakes. He said, one of my students asked me, he says, what's the most evil man who carried the most evil uh, in, in the whole world? Was it Genghis Khan? Was it Hitler? Was it Mao tongue, was it Stalin? He says, I can respond. I'll tell you who had the most evil on them. And strange as it may sound, it was the man who never sinned. It was Jesus. Because on the cross, he became what was rotten and dirty and filthy and ugly about every human being. He didn't just get punished there. He literally absorbed into his body the sin and the filth and the ugliness of each of us. If Hitler, he said, uh, on his deathbed, just like Jeffrey, Jeffrey Dummer, if on his deathbed could have said, I give my life to Jesus, at that moment, Jesus would have absorbed into his body everything despicable about Adolf Hitler. Is that incredible or what? And listen, he says, here's the good news. So much so does he cleanse us, Christian, that like a magnet, he attracts our sins like their iron filings, okay? And he makes them in his own so that on that day, when we stand before the Father, he says, he will present us as faultless and without blemish. And then he says this, I love this. He says, I could just see it now. Jesus saying, Father, I'd like to introduce you to my friend, the perfect one. And then he says, I hope my wife is there, right? (laughs) He says, but that's the truth. He will present me as faultless, without blemish, without spot. You say, well, what about the sin? I already told you they're not mine. He literally absorbed them into his own. That is love. That is mercy. That's cause for great joy. Amen? And that's what Peter is telling you tonight. Listen, folks, when you just take the time to understand the fullness of salvation of what we have in Christ, I don't care how bad the day is. We are not promised a rose garden this side of heaven. But listen, if you just thank you, God, for saving my soul, even this one, the self, and that you save me so completely that right now, even though I don't act like it, I don't feel like it, I don't see it, you see it positionally. I'm holy, spotless, and blameless oh isn't that joyful that's one of the appreciations you need to say every single day hopefully more than once a day and you will keep that joy going and guess what when you share the gospel great advertisement okay now the second half to that is very similar but there's a little stinger that we need to appreciate okay and that is this not only thank you god for saving my soul but thank you god for sparing my soul you see people in the church don't talk about this it's called hell but you know, Jesus talked about it way more than he ever did about heaven. Why? Because Jesus loves people. And, and by the way, that's about the, pretty close to an accurate rate, if you do the numbers on the population and those who typically aren't saved, that's about how fast people are going into the pit of hell. Anybody see an urgency to share the gospel? Okay, thank you, God, for sparing my soul. I'm not just forgiven. I've been spared from someplace. Let's take a look at that place. I didn't talk about this. Jesus did. Luke 16, verse 19 through 26. Jesus says this. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen, lived in luxury every day. <laughs> you know, the American dream, right? And uh, at his gate, though, laid this uh, beggar. His name was Lazarus. He was covered with sores. He longed to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Just give me a crumb, will you? Apparently, the guy didn't even help out. Even the dogs came and licked this guy's sword. Okay, but the time came when the beggar what? He died. Did you know that we're all going to die? Did you all know that we're marching towards the grave at different speeds? Did you all know we have a clock before our head, and some of us got more, some of us got less, but God knows the clock. We're all going to die. So he died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side, or paradise. The rich man was also, he what? Yeah, you're going to die too. And he was buried, but where did he go? In hell. Who's speaking here? Rhymes with Jesus. Jesus, that, all two of you, thank you for playing today. Uh, in hell, where he was in torment, uh, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father, Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I'm down here partying with my friends. <laughs> no, you're not. I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember. People in hell Remember. People in hell remember, there I say, every opportunity they had to escape, but mock. Remember in your lifetime that you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things, but now he's being comforted here, and yeah, you're right, you're in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. In other words, guess what? Once you're there, you ain't getting out. Praise God, eternal life in heaven is... Eternal. Anybody glad you can't get kicked out of heaven? See, that's the good news, but what's the bad news? If you reject God's mercy, that he's made a way you can be 100% completely forgiven if you would just bow a knee before the cross of Christ and trust in his work and his work alone to forgive you. He's willing to do it and make you spotless. But if you reject that, that's your choice. But you're there, you ain't getting out. That's what Jesus said. Jesus clearly says, when you die, you're going to spend eternity in one of two places. And here's your choice. Either paradise and heaven, which only happens through him. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. Nobody comes to the Father but by him. Or you're going to spend eternal torment in hell. Now, here's the the deal. It's not just, oh, God, thank you for forgiving me of all my sins, even that really bad one, self-righteousness and all that stuff. (laughs) making me spotless, but listen it's not just that i don't care how bad of a day you got i don't care what's going wrong with your life if you take the time say god thank you also on top of that thank you for sparing me from hell eternal damnation and hell and torment and the weeping thank you for saving me from that oh by the way i acknowledge i deserve that but thank you for saving me from that hey if you really truly do that several times a day I'm happy, I'm happy. Just make up a song, I am. I'm happy, (laughs) yeah, joy, yo. Hey, maybe this is where Peter's going with this. It's inexpressible, it's glorious. (laughs) Woo-hoo-hoo, yeah. Does it get any better than this? No, it doesn't. If you take the time to appreciate that. But here's the problem. Most people in the church today, when's the last time that you heard anybody preach on hell, let alone even say it in church services today? I call it the silent H word in the American church. They act like that's a bad word. Are you kidding me? Read the Bible. The irony is, listen, we tell people all the time, oh, you need to get saved, you need to get save, saved, say, save. If there is no hell, what are you getting saved from? A mediocre life? A poor economic establishment. <laughs> what? Well, if I tell them about hell, they might get scared away. Well, where are you going to scare them off to, hell number two? Hell, I didn't say Jesus did. And it's because Jesus loves us, and it's because the scripture says he's not willing that any should perish. He's giving you time while you still have a breath. Would you please, please come to me? I'll save you. You don't have to go there. But it's because he knows more than we want to admit. Hell is real and is horrible. And he warns people, don't go. So let's remind ourselves, a little teaser, of why it's so bad. Why did Jesus warn about this place so much? Let's take a look. As I have already said, the most amazing time you
1: will ever spend is the first five minutes after you die. Man is the only creature that knows he's going to die, and he's trying desperately to forget the fact that he's going to die and if you mention death there are people who will get a little nervous and they will change the subjects very much like you do with your channel changer on television they don't want to think about death. Death, 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 death Is a real place. Men may laugh and they may make jokes about the existence of such a place as hell. Natural instinct is either to ignore it, to not think about it whatsoever, or to deny it. I tell you, when I face God, and I'm going to face Him, I'm going to have to give an account for the way I preach. I'd much rather God say to me, Adrian, when you preached on hell, you took my word too literally. I'd much rather Him say that to me than, Adrian, when you preached on hell, you explained it away. And you did not take my word seriously. I'm going to preach it like God wrote it. Like God wrote it. Here is a man who said, I am tormented in this flame. Don't water that down. Don't try to explain that away. It's a place of sensual misery, it's a place of emotional misery. In verse 25, Abraham says to this rich man, Son, Remember, you will carry your memory to hell. Psychologists tell us we never, never forget anything, nothing. You say, oh, I've forgotten many things. They're there stored in your brain. Push the right button, they'll come back. You go to hell, you will remember. You will remember every lie you ever told, every dirty joke, every time you took God's name in vain, every gray hair you gave your mother, every wrinkle you pinched in your father's brow, you will remember. You will remember the people prayed for you and begged you and pled with you to come to Christ. You will remember.
0: at the churches who refuse to talk about that place. No wonder Jesus talked twice as much about that place than heaven. This ain't a game. But no, Pastor Bill, I'm sorry. You don't understand what I'm going through. You see, I deserve to be a, grump, a grumpy Christian. That's right. right. Because you know what? I, You just don't understand what I'm going through. You see, you don't understand how hard. Hey, listen, if all it was, he saved you from there forever. Isn't that enough to keep a smile on your face forever? And I'll add this one. All right, yeah, Pastor Billy, I know I need to share the gospel. Yeah, I know. I understand that. Okay, next week. Say, I You know what? Uh, January's already come and gone. All right, next year's resolution. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start... T- your loved one, your coworker, your family member, the person you keep meeting at the gas station, do you think that's by chance? You need to share the gospel now. You need to love them enough as Jesus did and say, listen, can I tell you something? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And through Jesus Christ, only he was sinless. He died the perfect death on the cross to forgive us. You can escape that place anybody here would like to have a friend who would love them enough to tell them about that is anybody glad here today that somebody took the time to tell you then let's get busy telling other people amen there is no time to procrastinate okay but the point is this folks i mean hey man i don't care how bad it's going you reflect not just thank you jesus for saving my soul but hey thank you for sparing my soul from that Woo! Wait! You are going to have to find somebody, you probably could here in Vegas, find somebody, pay them five bucks to slap the smile off your face. You know what I'm saying? It, just, it won't come off. Get it off. I dare you. Try it. So much joy you can't. But listen, we got, we're got. we going to finish up here. But I really think that Peter's saying one more thing. It's not just saving my soul. Woo-hoo. It's not just sparing my soul from that place. Woo-hoo. That's a double who for those who are wondering. But let's amplify it even more. And this is what he said there in regards. He said, it's not just joy. It's glorious. It's not just joy. It's inexpressible. I mean, I, I, can't, I can't even tell you how awesome this is. Why? Because I think it's the final phrase there, the key word. says, you are receiving the goal of your salvation. Okay, You are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls, which means there's no doubt about it. If you're a true born Christian, listen, you are not just going to heaven, you are rescued from that place. If you're a true born Christian, listen, you are not going to go there. You are going to make it to heaven, the exact polar opposite of what we all deserve, myself included. And you are going to be a part of a place that it's eternal joy, eternal bliss, eternal peace, never ending. You are going to make it there as a gift for me. Isn't that amazing? And where I really think it comes into play is in when we're honest with our behavior after getting saved. Have you noticed that after being a Christian, you you sin? Go ahead and raise your hand. Now, the rest of you that didn't, you just lied, which is a sin, so we're all even. (laughs) Right? And you ever have those times when you're sitting there, maybe you're like stuck in sin, nobody's condoning sin, but you really do love Jesus and there's a period of time when you get in the ditch or you take a spiritual detour and all that stuff and it's unfortunate and then all of a sudden you're laying there on the bed at night and you're all going, oh man, am I even, am I even saved? Doubts start flooding your head and you say, I, I, am I really going to get there as God? What's Peter say? He says, you are If you were born again Christian, it's his salvation, not yours. You are receiving the goal of your faith. So that means, listen, even if you feel spiritually you can't even walk anymore, your legs are giving out, Uh, I don't know if I'm going to make it across the finish line. You are going to make it there. Even if God has to carry you himself, it's he who is completing the work that has begun in you. You are going to make it to heaven. You are rescued from hell. It's guaranteed 100% even if he has to help you across the finish line. You are going to get there. Like this father did, let's take a look. Billy, I don't know if I'm going to make it to heaven. Yeah, you are. If you're a Christian, truly born again, trusting in the work of Jesus Christ. You don't understand, Pastor Billy. I just, I, my, my, my walk is, I'm hobbling. You don't understand, Pastor Billy. I don't know if I'm going to make it. You are. Receiving the goal of your faith. The salvation of your soul. If God has to carry you across the finish line, he will. That's inexpressible. That's glorious. And I think that's why Peter says, praise be to God. You have saved me from my sins. You have spared me from that place. And you are guaranteeing me I'm going to make it to heaven. You reflect on that every single day. You will greatly rejoice. And you will have a great countenance. So that when, not if, you share the gospel, you back it up and attract people to Jesus Christ. Isn't that a life worth living for? Let's be that church. Let's be those individuals to our world who desperately needs to hear this. Amen? Let's pray. Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and get a life Ministries, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But in closing, before you go, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? You see, here's the problem. The Bible says that nobody automatically gets to go to heaven, and that's because God is holy and we are not. Everybody knows it. They're just waiting for that time for their uh, number to come up, so to speak, and walk down that hall and be executed. Uh, There's nothing they could do to reverse their crime. No amount of good works in that jail cell can reverse what they've done. It's too late, it's over. But believe it or not, there's one way that people even today can get off a death row. And that's if the one in authority, the governor, if he were to, out of mercy and kindness, Here, I'm granting you a pardon. If you would just receive it, you can go free right now. And did you know that there's actually been people who said, no, I don't want your pardon. And so what happened is of their own doing, even though they had a way out, they still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, can I tell you something? That's what God did for us with Jesus dying on the cross. He sent his son to take the death penalty in our place. He, God, has the authority to grant us, through Jesus, a complete pardon. And every day that you're still alive, God is extending to you, spiritually, this pardon. But a pardon does you no good, unless you reach out and receive it by faith. Won't you do that today? Won't you call upon the name of Jesus Christ? Ask Him to forgive you of all of your sins, to trust in His work on the cross, to pardon us, from all of our crimes, our sins against God. God loves you. He wants a relationship with you. But there's only one way to heaven. It's Jesus. There's only one way to get off a death row. It's through the cross of Jesus Christ. Won't you do that right now? Well, this has been Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and, and Get a Life Ministries. And if there's anything that we can do for you, uh, please don't hesitate uh, to contact us. Uh, Our number, our information will uh, come up here on the screen shortly. And uh, uh, if there's anything we could do for you, please don't hesitate to let us know. Uh, Thank you for uh, joining us. And uh, remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.
2: Thank you for watching this presentation from Sunrise Baptist Church. If you would like to send us a letter or any other kind of postage, you can reach us at 1780 Betty Lane, Las Vegas, Nevada,